Welcome to this edition of the Politically Incorrect Podcast. I'm Jim Williams, your host. And man, do we have a lot to get uh, covered over in the next, uh, say, 20, 25 minutes. Let's begin with the Alabama Senate race. And right there is front and center Roy Moore. Now, if you have not heard about Roy Moore, you've been living under a rock because I'll tell you, he has been the center of the political universe, not just in the state of Alabama, but nationwide. And so our special guest today is someone who I absolutely wanted to talk uh, about Roy Moore and the budget and all kinds of other fun topics with. And that, of course, is Alan Steinberg. Alan, of for those who don't know, and you should, but if you don't, um, he was George Bush's EPA head for Region 2, which, uh, of course, covers New York, New Jersey, Puerto Rico, and the Virgin Islands. He is a outstanding political columnist on his own right and someone who, frankly, speaks his mind, and uh, that's why we enjoy having him. So, Alan? It's uh, great to have you on the Politically Correct Podcast. Let's talk about Alabama's own Roy Moore, a person that if he wasn't for real, you couldn't make this guy up. This is one of the most difficult situations arising out of the whole Me Too movement, which I think is a very noble movement for women to come forward and talk about the way they have been harassed and subject to outright predatory sexual treatment by men of power. Now, up to this point, it's been even in terms of transgressions of both Democrats and Republicans. I mean, one of the worst disgraces, in my view, is the way feminist Democrats have constantly covered for Bill Clinton's predatory activity down through the years. I thought the Gloria Steinem article absolving him was disgraceful. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, of course, you have Harvey Weinstein, who's a big Democrat fundraiser. And you have Donald Trump, whose predatory behavior is is appalling and disgusting. One of the reasons I did not support him for uh, president. Mm -hmm. Now even uh, George Bush 41 uh, has had uh, credible allegations made against him. All this is terrible. But the difficulty of Roy Moore, the Roy Moore situation, is it really threatens to destroy the Republican brand in 2018. Uh, Let me explain if I may. Sure. Uh, Roy Moore, uh, there's there's a difference in the court of public opinion and in the court of criminal law. In a court of criminal law, there is a presumption of innocence. There is no presumption of innocence in the court of public opinion, and the evidence has been overwhelmingly credible against Roy Moore. Uh, he stands guilty in the court of public opinion, and uh, even people like Sean Hannity are hesitating now to support him any further. But the difficulty is Roy Moore isn't going anywhere. And I think he's going to win. And even worse, you have the spectacle of Donald Trump, who refuses to say anything against him. Uh, Donald Trump is the one person who could get Roy Moore to back out. But he won't say anything. And the reason he won't is he's afraid of antagonizing his base. So you have a situation where if Roy Moore is uh, elected, he then could be removed by the Senate. Uh, It would take a two-thirds vote after he's sworn in in January. But it's doubtful that that will happen, because even though McConnell has said that he ought to get out, even though someone like Cory Garner, to his credit, a senator from Colorado, has gone mm-hmm. so far as to say he should never be seated, 
I don't know if they'll get a sufficient number of Republican votes to do that. I don't even know if McConnell will vote that way because you notice he hasn't said anything yet about blocking his being seated. And what you will hear from the alt-right, you will hear a cry that not to seat more is a disenfranchisement of the people of Alabama. And there are people in the alt-right who will wear this as a bloody shirt. And if he is elected and if he is allowed the seat, I think the Democrats will have a field day at all levels in 2018. They will be able to point the finger at the Republican Party as the party who acquiesces in sexual predatory behavior. It will affect Senate elections throughout the country. Even those senators who may have voted uh, to unseat more, it's not going to matter. The destruction of the Republican brand among women will be complete. And I think the Republicans would lose both houses in 2018. Well, you know, while we were uh, talking, uh, I just was given a uh, internal poll from the uh, GOP, and it looks at this point like uh, Democratic uh, senatorial candidate Doug Jones is polling 12 points um, at this point ahead of Roy Moore. 12 points ahead? I haven't seen that points poll. ahead. I'm it's not doubting brand- you, but... No, it's a, it's a National Republican Senatorial Committee poll that was just uh, sent to me. Uh, wow. At this point, well, it's obvious what. <laughs> yeah. Jones is 51 to 39 at this point. Moore's favorables dropped to 35%, which is the lowest at this point um, since uh, things got, have gotten going. So that's an internal poll. It's only one poll. It's not, you know. No, but that's very conclusive. If it's a, if if that is a Republican poll, it's obvious that the national Republican powers that be are going full boat. To their credit, they're going full boat ahead to get more to drop out of the race. Well, I mean, you know, that, they they would yeah. never do anything like that without that intention. Yeah, and the other thing is, and I think this is important as well, is what we saw. You know, it seems so crazy that it was just a little over a week ago. And that was uh, all the way from New Jersey to Virginia to um, Washington State, where women, uh, both Democrats and Republicans, uh, ousted uh, people all the way up and down the ballot, from governors to uh, you know city council people to uh, you know county commissioners, um, in one of the biggest sweeps of women. Uh, that we've had in a number of years. Donald Trump is an absolute disaster in terms of the gender gap for Republicans. And what amazes me is the way his followers on the alt-right make all kinds of excuses. I, I have heard people, uh, take, take the case of Virginia, which to me is the most significant case. If you look at Virginia, Ed Gillespie in 2014 carried Loudoun County, which has now become the national laboratory of uh, political observation, Loudoun County is in the exurbs. Uh, the other counties are in the suburbs of Washington. Loudoun County was always pretty reliably Republican. In fact, the joke used to be that the only Democrat that could live there was Jackie Kennedy, and she was allowed to live there if she rode her horse. That used to be the joke about Loudoun County. But Loudoun County this time went just absolutely decisively uh, for uh, Northam, the Democrat governor-elect. Now, Ed Gillespie had carried this county in 2014 when he came within a hair's breadth of defeating Mark Warner for the U.S. Senate. He got absolutely 
clobbered in the statewide gubernatorial race. And that's all because he used a Trump-like message. There is no other way around it, despite all the attempts of the alt-right to spin this. There's just no way around it, And in spite of the absolute demagoguery and foolishness of Steve Bannon. This was a repudiation of Trump, plain and simple. I felt bad because I like I know Ed Gillespie, and I like him. I like him very much. And normally I would have been thrilled to see him elected as governor. But once he went out there with that Trump message, part of me said better he should be defeated as a notice to Republicans everywhere not to in any way duplicate a message that is outright societally destructive and uh, bad for the American public. Well, if you recall, when we um, talked about this just prior to the uh, the race, um, I thought that, uh, and I, I respect that. I mean, we both respect that. He's a good man. Um, I thought that he had gone so far off script, I just didn't see how he was going to you know, do well in Northern Virginia. And at the end of the day, um, it was the Democrats and it was the Republican women who basically came out and said, look, Northam is somebody I can easily live with. And uh, I don't want to, I don't want to reward Gillespie for, you know, acting the way he's acted. 100%. You're right on the money with that. And uh, it really portends a very dark scenario for the Republicans in the 2018 House and Senate races. I'm very pessimistic. I'll I'll tell you, in New Jersey, where I live, I really uh, strongly supported Kim Guadagno. I also supported her on something very controversial when she criticized Phil Murphy on sanctuary, the sanctuary state concept. I oppose that Mm -hmm. because I do believe in law enforcement. I believe in more liberal immigration, but I don't believe in the concept of sanctuary state or city. But she lost for two reasons and uh, lost by a lesser margin than I thought, uh, a lesser margin than poll said, but more than I thought. She lost by 14 points. And the reason she lost, if you look at number one, Chris Christie is an unbelievably unpopular governor. Mm-hmm. I was one of the first to go out and repudiate him, but I feel no joy in my vindication. And the second factor was Donald Trump. Donald Trump is electoral poison in New Jersey. And now with his tax plan, it's almost as if he, Paul Ryan, and Mitch McConnell are saying to New Jersey Republicans, drop dead. Even if your members of the House lose in 2018, we'll keep the House and the Senate without you. And that's a bad message, but that's the message that I, I'm getting. And, uh, you know, it's it's yeah. like the uh, Trump game plan is make the red states redder and uh, hell with the blue states. Mm-hmm. What? Why do you suppose that they co-opted the um, the Obamacare uh, faction into this uh, into this tax deal. I don't know. I think it's foolish. Yeah, so I mean, it's, I, it's, I'm, it's, I'm, it's it was suicidal the first time. Why why are they interjecting what in essence is a poison pill into their own bill? Well, I'll tell you what I think it is, and this is very short sighted. They are desperate for a quote unquote win. They shouldn't be so desperate for a win. But when you probe Republican House members and senators more closely, they don't need a win for the electorate. They're looking for a win for their contributors, and they're willing to do almost anything to get it. And the idea is that there's a lot of senators, like just within the last hour, Ron Johnson uh, came out and said he could not support this bill. Well, uh, something like the end of the Obamacare mandate is uh, meant as a hook to get them to support it. I don't know if it's going to work. Susan Collins is definitely opposed to uh, Susan Collins of Maine is definitely opposed to ending the 
mandate. Uh, I don't know if this is going to pass or not, uh, but I think it's a disaster for, for Republicans in the state I live, New Jersey, if it does. I mean, it's a disaster in New York State. It's a disaster in Pennsylvania. It's a disaster in California. Absolutely. It really is. Alan, let me ask you about this. They're desperate for a win, okay? They have a bill laying on the desk of Mitch McConnell, which is a, you know, Patty Murray and Lamar Alexander's health care bill, which has a minimum of 60 senators who will vote for it, and they haven't brought it to the floor. I mean, what I exactly a, are they trying to do? I think it's a very simple factor. I think they are so afraid of the Bannonite base that that's why that bill isn't moving. It's scary, but I think that's what it is. I have no other explanation, Jim. I mean, you're 100% right. Uh, this is a bill that should pass. This is a bill that could go a long way towards rectifying uh, the whole mess involved with health care right now. It could improve the defects in uh, Obamacare, but it's not going to move. Uh, and it's obviously fear of uh, what I call the Bannonite base. The Bannonite base, if Donald Trump survives until uh, 2020, and I have doubts he will now with the revelations about Donald Trump Jr. and Jared Kushner. But if he survives that long, he will not be reelected. But he will have this base and little else more. But uh, the, these people are just uh, so self-deceiving. Uh, when he goes to one of these rallies and sees his base, he thinks that's all, in Amer- all American. It's not. Yeah, but, you know, the point that I'm trying to make on the uh, on Patty Murray's bill she, of course, the senator from Washington and um, the well-respected um, senator from the state of Tennessee, Lamar Alexander. Um, what I find fascinating about this is you would actually get what people have been crying for, and that is a bipartisan bill on a major deal, which could then lead to taxes, which that could then lead to other things. And why? We suddenly went flying back to reconciliation on this, on the tax bill. Well, you're, makes no you're sense talking, to me. Well, you're talking too much common sense. Oh, sorry. That's the problem. <laughs> you know, what you say makes 100% common sense, but common sense isn't governing now in Washington. It's all about polarization. This week, uh, the last week, I had a very sad moment when a dear friend of mine, Frank Lobiondo, congressman from South Jersey, he represents Atlantic County, where Atlantic City is, and Cumberland County. He announced he was retiring. He's a very bad loss. He was respected by people on both sides of the aisle. But he said that the, the, you cannot get anything constructively done now, and I think that's the influence of Trump. Uh, David uh, Brooks put it very well in uh, one of his columns where he talked about Trump as the Abby Hoffman of the right in the White House. He's all about cultural war. And he's and Bernie Sanders on the uh, far out left is all about economic class war. But Donald Trump feels that he needs this Bannonite base to successfully fight the cultural war. So he's not going to do anything that uh, jeopardizes that. He is he uh, people think of him as a big power, but he's actually a captive of of his own base. It's amazing. Um, Some. uh... Big things we talked about, mayor's races won uh, by women, and a very unique situation for you um, and for the folks of uh, New Jersey and Hoboken. Tell us a little bit about the new mayor of Hoboken. 
Well, the new mayor is a Sikh. Uh, he is a very well-spoken, honorable man. And he wasn't expected to win. But what happened is there was a very racist uh, poster that came out against him. Now, nobody knows the source of that poster. Uh, there was one person accused of it, and he immediately denied it in the most vehement terms. But I think that that racist poster had a backlash effect, and it helped him get elected, which is uh, very commendable. It speaks well of the people of Hoboken. Mm-hmm. It was their, their way of sending out a signal saying, uh, we're not going to tolerate uh, this type of uh, politics in Hoboken. By electing him, they sent out a signal against bigotry and smear. Bravo, Hoboken. Right. And, you know, a lot of people don't recall that Hoboken has been kind of a uh, a great melting pot for a number of ethnicities over the years. Uh, the home of Francis Albert Sinatra. And, exactly. Um, and, you know, it started with the Italians. It continued through uh, over the years, the Irish, you know, blacks, uh, and now, you know, a Sikh mayor. So Hoboken has always been... Um, a home, if you will, of an immigrant population. Hoboken is now also, uh, and this is a positive development, it's become very trendy. Mm-hmm. For a long time, Hoboken had did not have a good tax base. In fact, that's why it qualified as one of the urban 30 uh, special needs districts in New Jersey that was entitled to additional aid, uh, mm-hmm. additional school aid from the state. However, Hoboken has had a big rebound. Uh, a lot of uh, multimillionaires, I, I mean a lot, are buying uh, condo apartments up in Hoboken that uh, face mm-hmm. Manhattan, uh, have a beautiful look to them. And it's become the place where uh, millionaires and uh, $100 million millionaires, I should say, uh, those approaching billionaire status, it's becoming a place where uh, they're going to buy apartments and live. It has a wonderful uh, selection of restaurants, uh, very, again, very trendy, uh, very upscale. And uh, it is a melting pot, as you indicated. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, I think this sends out this sends out a very good signal. And I hope other communities uh, understand the message of the Hoboken election, and they will do what they can to uh, repudiate the bigoted attacks in their midst. And one other thing, like you brought up, it's got probably, in my mind, one of the best views of Manhattan that you can get. No question. So, all right. No question. Now we talked about what happened, with, you know, last uh, last Tuesday. We talked about the judge. We talked about the uh, the upcoming bill. Um, let's talk a little bit about Jeff Sessions, and um, is he going to be long for this world? I mean, when the when the White House starts floating things like, hey, you know. We could get Jeff Sessions on that ballot in Alabama for, in essence, in a write-in situation to perhaps get his job back. That doesn't, um, that doesn't bode well. It, 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 that's not going to happen because it's not practical. He's not going to defeat Roy Moore on a write-in. Jeff Sessions is a person that I used to laugh at when I would watch him on TV. I had no respect for him. He would say things during a campaign that I thought were absolutely inane on behalf of Donald Trump. What is strange about his current situation, he did something very good in his testimony yesterday. Uh, I am not Hillary Clinton's biggest defender, but this attack by Congressman Jordan to get a special prosecutor appointed on the uranium uh, controversy is nonsense. First of all, 
it's interesting. There was one thing that the Republicans could have gone after Hillary Clinton on. It was the whole uh, deal with uh, Sweden uh, when the State Department formulated certain policy that was liked over there, and all of a sudden Bill Clinton got a big speaking fee. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the uranium controversy is a non-starter, and the way it's being utilized by the alt-right, it's fake news. Because I know how government works. Hillary Clinton never focused on the uh, issue of the uh, approval of the uranium deal for one second. It was all done at a lower level uh, than her level, the Department of State. And in addition to that, uh, it was not a Department of State initiative. It was an initiative right. of the Treasury Department. So, right. you know, I would have I would have almost liked to have seen a special prosecutor appointed because within days, the special prosecutor would have said this is a bunch of nonsense. Mm-hmm. And it, it is it, it's I hate when uh, people try to use the Justice Department for partisan ends. And to Jeff Sessions credit, he basically is, in so many words said, we're not going to have a uh, special prosecutor. And Jordan kept saying, well, look how this situation looks. He said he, his comment was something to the effect of it doesn't matter how it looks. It matters how it is. And you need to hit a certain quantum of proof. So that's in Jeff Sessions favor. Mm-hmm. What is not in favor of him is uh, his selective memory. You know, he keeps right. telling about, well, I forgot this, I forgot that. But the things he claims he forgot are not are the sort of things that a person uh, of his experience in politics would never forget. And he's losing credibility that way. Uh, he also, uh, on, on the whole Russia issue, uh, when he, uh, he, what he did within the campaign was actually commendable. He said, mm-hmm. we shouldn't be doing this. All he had to do was tell the truth about that to the uh, Senate and House hearings, and he would have looked like a hero, and he did the exact opposite. He he really has behaved foolishly, but I don't think Trump is getting rid of him so fast. I don't think so because of the uh, it would add fuel to the scandal about obstruction of justice. And they certainly don't need any more of that. No, they don't. The table is full on that one. Um, All right. You know, we always always like to talk a little bit of sports here. Um, I'm a sport. (laughs) Yeah, there's an interesting situation coming up, and that's Jerry Jones is fighting against Roger Goodell in hopes that he can get either Goodell um, out as commissioner or at least – at a discount. And um, right now, it's not necessarily gaining steam, but uh, the battle between Goodell and um, and Jerry Jones is un- unlikely to uh, stop anytime soon. I think uh, part of the problem Goodell may have is that this is a, I'm not saying he's likely to be ousted, but this is a mm-hmm. very bad year for pro football. Mm-hmm. It really is. Profits are down. Attendance is down. I think even more than the uh, kneeling controversy is the uh, concern about head injuries. This right, is really CTA. bad. Yeah. And the CTE. And I don't think that uh, youngsters are going to want to go into uh, football at the rate they used to. I, it was interesting. Years ago, I read a story about Hank Aaron, how he would have, he said that had pro football been as big then as it is today, he would have gone into pro football and become a halfback. Now this is before the uh, way, the rage of, Head injuries were uh, reported, but I doubt he would say that today. And uh, I'll tell you a personal story. Uh, my son is now 37. He's mm-hmm. uh, he's built rather well. He's got, he's got a more or less a uh, football build, 
But when he was going into high school, the coach noticed him. He, he was thin then. He, mm-hmm. he was almost slight. And the coach, I don't know how the coach figured this out. He said, you're going to grow into a football player. And I thought the coach was out of his mind. But uh, And my son never really grew into that until after he was uh, finished with high school and uh, gone to college his first and second year. He was a late bloomer. But I'm thankful that he never grew into that football build because I would have been a nervous wreck watching him play high school football. Uh, this is really a, a bad scene right now. And uh, Goodell, uh, he doesn't appear to be decisive. I think he will survive, though, because I don't think Jerry Jones is that popular among his fellow owners. He's got a little Al Davis in him. Um, yes, he does. Let me, um, and for those of you too young to know who Al Davis is, Google him. Um let me ask you this. This is my scenario with regard to what, exactly what you brought up, and that's the head injuries. I believe in 10 years' time that what you're going to see is kind of what you see in Canada for hockey, and that's going to be city teams as opposed to high school teams. And I think the reason it's going to be that there's going to be some injuries in high school that will price, from an insurance standpoint, price the ability to pl- to field high school football teams out of the realm of uh, most jurisdictions. Cause I, I honestly believe it's, this is going to be a bottom up situation for the national football league. And I think that what I we're going to see right. is in 10 years, it's going to be city type le- teams where you're going to have a city that's going to have a, a high, you know, what in essence is a, uh, a team that will play once a week. And that's your, that'll be your football team. There won't be high school football teams anymore because the possibility of uh, liability, because uh, think about it, when it comes to class action suits, right? People are always thinking, well, and you're the attorney, so I'll turn this over to you in a minute. But people think, well, gosh, you know, a class action suit's easy to do. Well, a class action suit really isn't easy to do unless you have the numbers. And and I think if uh, if we start to see kids getting concussions and, and minor CTE situations, there's going to there's gonna be a big price tag out there that uh, attorneys are going to start looking for. And I believe that, that they're going to attack high schools big time. I agree with you, and I think they're going to get some huge verdicts too. Because I, can't, I don't see jurors and jury members being anything less than sympathetic to the young people who are injured. And uh, I don't think they'll be uh, sympathetic necessarily to the uh, municipalities either. I think pro football is in a lot of trouble. The sport right now that I think is really gaining is, and I've said this before, is pro basketball. Uh And uh, I think the story of the year thus far in pro basketball, the story is the Boston Celtics. Mm -hmm. I'm watching them last night against Brooklyn. Now, Brooklyn is an improving team, but it'll still be Mm -hmm. uh, a second uh, tier until maybe next year or the year after. They played a good game, but Boston right now, they have benefited so much from recent drafts. Uh, you know, getting, uh, you know, uh, people like uh, Jalen Brown, uh, Jason, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, you know, up the uh, whole whole ring with, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with, with uh, Jason. His last name escapes me right now. It's okay. But, well, uh, you know, the forward, he, he was like number uh, three in the draft. Uh, but uh, they are—they're they're just really—and uh, Kyrie Irving is playing tremendously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think—I think that uh, there are there are uh, Jason Tatum. 
Uh, I think they're a team. I think they're a team that is very much on the rise, and they're a great traditional team. Mm-hmm. And uh, pro basketball doesn't have the injuries that uh, other sports have. I I think that, uh, and not, and and in some situations, like two years ago when Cleveland played Golden State in that final uh, game, mm-hmm. uh, you you had a situation where the Cleveland Cavalier Golden State Warrior game had higher ratings than the World Series. Mm-hmm. So uh, pro basketball is on the way up. Yeah, and uh, you know there never seems to be a lack of uh, players out there willing to play. All right, my friend, right. let's uh, let's let's take care of business as we end things up here. Uh, give me three things that you're going to be looking for this week as we get ready to start uh, the week before Thanksgiving. I'm going to be looking uh, to see what the uh, latest news will be on Jared Kushner, because uh, if he or Donald Trump Jr. or both are indicted, it really puts pressure on the president. Uh, if he pardons them, that could be viewed as an, uh, as an abuse of power and obstruction of justice, and uh, it could be a ground for impeachment itself. So I'm going to be looking at, at that. Uh, in my uh, home state of New Jersey, there's a situation developing as he leaves, Governor Christie's actually right on this issue. Uh, they need revenue, and uh, they want to get sports betting in New Jersey. And uh, the federal government and, and the National Football League are standing in the way. And I think that uh, pressure is going to build uh, to allow sports betting in Lang City, particularly because the NFL is a hypocrite on this issue. They're moving into Las Vegas. They're getting the benefit of the, the greatest casino community in the world. So for them to stand on their high horses and say we object to uh, casino gambling is uh, pretty much nonsensical. Uh, the, the third thing uh, I'm looking at, and this is far away, is the Middle East. Uh, because right now Trump foreign policy is just a, a tangled web uh, in the Israeli-Arab conflict. On the one hand, uh, it appears he, gave, he allowed uh, Putin to move Iranian forces into Syria. On the other hand, uh, they are pushing the uh, Saudi government uh, to go to war against Iran. So there's no coherency to this foreign policy, and I'm going to be watching that very closely. All right, buddy. Where can we read your stuff? You can uh, read my stuff on uh, the uh, my my uh, Facebook page is Alan Joel Steinberg. I welcome new friends. Uh, you can read me on Twitter at a Steinberg uh, six thirteen. And you can also read my articles on the website, insidernj.com. We'll be back with more of the Politically Incorrect podcast after these words from Alfa Romeo. When you look for things, when you search the polished showrooms, the markets, the runway shows, you are looking for me. Beyond luxury and status, Beyond capability and utility, you are looking for me. And when you dream, when you dream of an SUV existing far beyond the ordinary, an SUV steeped in performance, infused with passion, artistic beyond description, you unknowingly dream of me. I am the end of your search, your drive, your dream. I am what you live for. I am the Alfa Romeo Stelvio, the first sport utility vehicle created by Alfa Romeo.
Well, that brings to a close yet another edition of the Politically Incorrect Podcast. Now, if you have not yet subscribed to us, it's easy enough to do. You can get us at the iTunes store. You can get us at Blog Talk Radio. How about Stitcher, one of the top apps for podcasts? I know that uh, many outstanding podcasts are on Stitcher and all different types of genres. So we're on Stitcher. Find us easy to do. Or, of course, on the TuneIn app with uh, myself and over 125 million of my closest friends. All have the TuneIn app. All you have to do is search the Politically Incorrect Podcast. It'll pop up there, and you'll get it every week sent to your email box, okay, or to your phone or tablet. Easy enough done. Thanks very much, and um, subscribe today. All right. Well, special thanks, of course, to Alan Steinberg, political columnist and former member of the George W. Bush administration. We hope that you have a wonderful weekend. And until next time, I'm Jim Williams for the Politically Incorrect Podcast.